Hello, hello, and welcome to the Seabets Podcast. We're your hosts, Regina Filtz. And Ruben Cervantes. And today's episode is the last episode of a mini-series that we've been talking about, about the hope um, and crisis and ugh, lots of different things like that. So today's episode is called Our Hope in the Midst of Crisis, episode 54. So we're just going to be talking about the hope of Christ in the midst of crisis for the church, for the individual, and how the Lord can actually bring us through the journey when we don't get the immediate answer that we want. And we were even just talking about this before the podcast started. But before we jump in, let us not forget Isaac Bennett. Thank hello, you for hello. joining us. Yeah, brother. Thanks for having me on, guys. <laughs> this is, if I can think of a more appropriate topic to have you come, it's this one. I mean, of course, you know, you've been pastoring our local community here at Foreign Church, such amazing things God is doing in our spiritual family. But, you know, what we're positioned for even as a spiritual family, that we're a praying people, right? Like, no matter if we're intercessory missionaries or in the marketplace, but that we gather together, we pray because we have a hope right? A hope that's beyond this world and a hope that he hears us, a hope, a hope that there's something bigger going on, right? And right. Uh, so I'm just so grateful that you can join us for this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. We're coming at a conclusion of this miniseries as Georgina was talking about, right? We, we looked at just kind of the, the global crisis. Now we are in the midst of a global pandemic, which to some could seem like the most incredible crisis in all of history, just because this is one of the first global experiences that we've had with the world yes. uh, in, 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 when it relates to something hard or difficult, in this case, disease. Um, and so so it's been a really relevant topic, but last episode with Dave Slyker, oh, so good. we talked about the biblical um, examples and some of the, what we see in scripture related to how God has asked us to respond to crisis and of course, how they have responded, like, you know, different ones such as Joel and so forth, in terms of like, in, it's just the faithfulness to, a, to the message in crisis. It's, there's different layers to it, which was really powerful. It got us all repenting and literally I've been thinking about this since that podcast. It was so anointed. I want to encourage you to listen to it if, you, if you're just jumping on with us for the first time. It's so, it was such a good one. Uh, but now it's like, okay, you know, there's some real existential issues, you know, real experience that humans go through during hard times. And, 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 you know, so often we've reduced it to simple one-liners that don't satisfy mm -hmm. the real emotional itch in our hearts to figure out, God, like, are you there? Do you see me? Is this worth it? Not just related to this pandemic, but like, you know, health issues, financial crisis, all kinds of things that we can experience. And of course, the looming global crisis that scripture does talk about, about, the, you know, how it's going to get darker. There's going to be deep darkness that covers the earth. The glory of God's going to hit the earth as well, which is also its own crisis um, because it confronts our not godliness, you know. <laughs> so, so we're at this, you know, at this convergence point. That now it's like we, we want to address the, the question everyone's afraid to ask, but they're all thinking, is there hope in the midst of this? Yeah. So how do <laughs> question, Georgina? Go ahead, take it from Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. I, I studied this topic for about three years, so I'm well versed. But after you, please. We love to honor and submit. Well, I think <laughs> let's first just talk about biblical hope. What does it mean to hope, to hope in God, to have hope in Christ and, and you know, from that construct then work out into the practical outworkings of when our life is touched by crisis pandemic uh big and small when the world says hope 
it's more equated to wishful thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I hope I get the job that I want. I hope that nothing is sure. Hope in the worldly sense is very vague. Yeah. It's very trusting fate, trusting that things play out in the way we want. It's a game of risk. It's a game of chance. You know, I'm, I'm rolling the dice on my career. I hope I land the job that I want and the salary that I want, et cetera, et cetera. So when I think of worldly hope, firstly, I think of something that is very, you know, very unstable. Um, and, and like I said, you know, it's, it's wishful thinking. It's, it's hoping against hope that things are going to turn out. However, when you contrast that with biblical hope, one of the things you begin to see is something very different. It's kind of like faith, the way that Christians understand faith. You know, Hebrews tells us like faith is the evidence of things unseen, whereas the worldly mind would go faith is basically blind trust. Um, and, and a similar reality is true with, in terms of the Christian, how we understand hope and faith very different than that of the world. So, you know, like when we talk about biblical hope, we're talking about an anchor we're talking about something that we know is going to happen. It's not wishful thinking. And the reason that it's not wishful thinking is because all biblical hope is stored up in the person of Christ and the resurrection of which there were hundreds of eyewitnesses, at least 500 at the ascension, right? So everything that is within our faith finds its anchor, our hope in the resurrection of Christ. And therefore, because of the resurrection of Christ, we know that everything that he promised is true and sure. And so his resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15 tells us, is the first fruits of our resurrection. So if he got out of the grave, he overcame death, which was in the uh, ancient world, the most formidable enemy. Yeah, I mean, there's no more formidable enemy than death itself. We don't like to talk about death much, you know, in our culture today. You know, it's uh, the formidable things in our culture are the fading beauty and, you know, uh, lines around our eyes and, you know, weight (laughs) that we put on as we get older. You know, these are kind of our formidable foes, not having enough money, not being able to travel. But in the ancient world, it was really about death. Who can overcome death? And so you have all of these colliding belief systems. You have all of these different philosophies that are all, you know, stemming out of this problem of death. Who can overcome death? Who has the answer and the solution for death? And so really Christianity is the only plausible answer to that because we have an evidence and we have an, uh, an evidence that Christ, one, overcame death, and in like manner, we will also overcome death. Therefore, our, our hope in God is not tossy, turvy, unsure, not really sure how this is going to play out. But when you begin to look at the prophets and the apostles uh, throughout Scripture, you see that their hope was in the resurrection. Right. It was an anchor. It was unmovable. It's this is where I'm going and I'm so sure of it that actually regardless of what happens to me, um, I know that he's faithful to complete it. Like Abraham, 
you know, he trusts in God to the point where it's such an anchor within his own soul that he goes, actually, even if I don't have a son, I know that God would raise me from the dead to have a son. Wow. Like that's how, that's how real it was to him. And so I think for today, like the modern believer, myself and, and our generation, you know, I, we don't talk about this enough. We, we don't think in terms of faith and hope as anchors, as sure, steadfast things. And here's why it really matters. Why it matters is because when hope is, is born and forged within the heart of the believer, basically it comes down to, do we believe in the resurrection of Jesus himself? And not just like the pie in the sky, but like, you know, the flesh and bones, Jesus. Like, like you think about there's a Jesus somewhere that has flesh and bones right now. Mm. And that if you were to touch him, you know, your hand wouldn't pass through him. If he were to come in his person, you know, he could sit at this table and drink this water. We and, should you know, invite wouldn't, him to do a podcast. We should. <laughs> we could, we, <laughs> Why did we think of that sooner? <laughs> and, you know... This, this whole idea of God, flesh and bones overcoming death in the resurrection and we in, like, in that like manner coming out of the grave at the seventh trumpet at the return of Jesus, that becomes the anchor of our hope. Come on. So I think of Colossians 1 and in verse 5, you know, he's, he talks about your hope that is laid up in heaven. This is really essential right now because... Um, if our if our hope isn't anchored in Christ, in the resurrection and in the age to come, then we we anchor our hope in temporary things, and there's nothing more dangerous than putting your hope in something temporary. I mean, it's like putting all of your hope in the stock market. You don't know what the right. stock market's going to do tomorrow. It's putting all of your hope in house that you're about to buy. Like my wife and I were in the process of buying a house, so we put all of our hope in that. But you never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to turn out, what's going to, what's going to come up in some foundation issue or, or the roof or like, ah, I mean, there's, there's so many unknowns. There's things we can't control, but the Lord and the scripture wants us to know there's one thing that you can be absolutely sure of. It's the resurrection of the God man. And in like manner, you too will be raised. Okay. And so what does that do for us? That means it removes all of our temporary hopes as the premier hopes and chiefs and what becomes the stability of our soul and the anchor of our soul in the midst of crisis is the resurrection. Yeah. And this is what the prophets hoped in. And this is what the disciples hoped in. And they were talking about it all the time. They were talking about the resurrection, the resurrection, the resurrection. And, and today in the body of Christ, uh, you know, most churches, they, they talk about the cross and forgiveness and acceptance in God. That's the primary message throughout evangelical Christianity. And it's a wonderful and beautiful message, but it's, it's part of the message we need to, in a fresh way, emphasize again, biblical hope, the hope of the resurrection, mm-hmm. and that we're only forgiven and washed and cleansed and regenerate before God because Jesus got out of the grave. Yeah. And if he hadn't done that, then our faith is dead. That's what Paul's whole argument, 1 Corinthians 15, really is, right? And so, so we go through our lives, you go through your life, we all do crisis and pain will touch us. It's inevitable. We need to train our children (laughs) for crisis and pain and trauma touching their life. Yeah. Not, uh, just, you know, reactive as these things touch us. Okay. And so when we're in the midst of something like a pandemic, what does our hope become anchored in? And this is where like, 
I was warned. I was talking earlier, you know, joking. Like, I don't want to get on my soapbox about this. Uh, we put a lot of hope in our temporary governmental systems yeah. and our religious liberties and freedoms and rights as Americans. Now, if you're not from America, that's maybe not the same for you. But for me, as, as an American, you know, raised in the Midwest, it's like you cut me and if red, white, and blue doesn't come out, like we have a problem, <laughs> like we have an issue here, you know? And so patriotism and Christianity like go hand in hand, like in our culture in a, in a lot of ways. And that's not really good. <laughs> yeah. And the reason that it's not good isn't because it's not a blessing. Like certainly it's a blessing that we have religious liberties and mm -hmm. freedoms. Right. But here's the thing. It's a historical anomaly. Yeah. So the majority of the scripture is meant to be applicable to any culture, to any civilization, to no matter who is reigning on the throne or the prime minister or the president in office, like the, the, the scripture has to apply to us. It has to be able to anchor the believer regardless of their context. Right. Well, the majority of the New Testament is written under the Caesars and under Rome. And for Paul, a large part of it, you know, is written under Nero, who's one of the most awful tyrants in terms of his persecution of, Christian, of, of Christians ever in human history. So if it applies there, it's got to apply here. Yeah. yeah. So we've got to have a biblical hope that when things get a little bit shaky, we can't leave the house when we want and we can't gather when we want. We've got to have a hope that is anchored in something far more because when you get to the end of the book, the way that I read it, especially like Revelation chapter 13, for example, is that all of our religious liberties and freedoms are going to go out the window at some <laughs> point Definitely. across the earth. Definitely. And then all the nations are going to turn against Israel, you know, Zechariah yeah. 12. So, so this is where we're going. So we've got yeah. to build an ark. It was just raining really hard out here today. So there's like flooding everywhere. So I was like <laughs> thinking about the ark and then we were, I you know, talking about the animals on the ark, whatever. But anyways, the point is we got to build an ark. We have to, mm -hmm. we have to build a biblical hope that can endure the storm that's coming so that we're not washed away and we don't come and fold underneath of the fear, oppression, deception, yeah. doubt, all of the things that are going to touch us now. What is our hope in? Yeah. You make so many good points. I think one of the things that strikes me is um, I'm from England and we would also say that our nation was built on Christian values. But I would actually say, if anything, we've come past Christian values yeah. now. We've gone past believing oh, the Bible and we've gone Careful. past believing that actually marriage is only between a man and a woman. And there are so many things that were kind of stepping past, but because we have allowed Christianity and our patriotism to go hand in hand, we're now finding it hard to even find the difference. Yeah. And well, so if we're believing that, we can't find it hard. So if we're thinking that our government is going hand in hand with the Bible, then somehow we let ourselves follow them instead of realizing, hey, wait a second, there's a split in the train tracks here. Which way am I going? And so many Christians may actually have a hard time even swallowing that pill, being like, wait a second, they are hand in hand. Where's the difference? Yeah, I think that the way that the imagery you gave is so helpful. It's it's a split in the train tracks. Like we arrived here, right? Mm -hmm. And and it's so subtle. Like it's, you know, it's so subtle. Do we want people to worship freely? Duh. Do we yeah. want, you know, is it good for, you know, for, for these kinds of liberties and rights and, and the defense uh, uh, for 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 women, the equality of every ethnicity, like uh, obviously these things are 
wonderful and they're good but the split in the train tracks is that we accidentally make our hope or the you know we we reassign our hope to something temporal rather than staying anchor in something eternal exactly and honestly these past three weeks that's what i feel the lord has been exposing in us not like oh no you know but like for real it's like oh my gosh that's what it is is that when we got to the fork of the road now people that are oppressed don't have this option they have other temptations and other but the temptation of those who have relative blessing or however you want to define that is that we then transport our hope to something temporal we under like we rob ourselves of the eternality of our hope and latch on to something more relevant maybe i mean we think of it because it's like you can touch it today it's tangible it's experienced today but then now it's all about how big is my bank account right how long can i live you know how how much impact or influence do i have on instagram you know it becomes so so small sure so i want to i want to i want to go back and then let's talk more about where we're at you know in our contemporary experience as western christians and Mm -hmm. you know we can i can hypothesize about where other believers are at in the earth but let's go back in terms of the biblical understanding of ourselves in this life okay so you go back to the psalms you go back to okay abraham you know, he's looking for a country. He's looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. He's a nomad. He's a no, he's the Lord chooses a nomad, a this nomadic wanderer as the father of our faith. Okay. There's a reason that he did that. He's searching for something. Yeah. Okay. Then you go to the Psalms and I think of like Psalm 119, where it's like, I'm a stranger in the earth. Right. Don't hide your commandments from me. And then multiple times, David's talking about how he's like a pilgrim and he's a sojourner and he's like passing through this life, okay? Then you get uh, then you get into the New Testament and the way that it describes us and depicts the believer is as a stranger and an alien, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay? Yeah. Even the Lord tells the people that were in exile, like back in the Old Testament in Jeremiah 29, this is like such a beautiful passage, you know, because we're, Jeremiah 29 is like, you know, the plans I have for you, the dreams, the hopes, the future. It's like the, the quintessential youth group prophetic word that you give everyone, yes. like, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Well, if you look at the context of Jeremiah 29 is that they're in captivity and they're called exiles multiple times throughout the chapter. And the Lord goes, you're meant to actually be in exile. And I want you to seek the shalom, the peace, the well-being of the city that you're in. The shalom is not just like not warfare, like an absence of warfare, but the peace, uh, the shalom of something means the peace and the well-being of the entirety of it. So body, soul, spirit, spouse, children, neighbor, neighborhood, region, vineyards, gardens, all of it experiences the peace of Christ. Okay. And we're to, we're to reach for these things and pray for these things, pray for our city so that we would have shalom. Yeah. Okay. So then when we move into the new Testament, this is how Peter in first Peter two and first Peter one begins to address believers. He begins to call them aliens yeah. or strangers or to the residents in blah, 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 whatever. And the word that he uses there actually means a resident alien. Okay, so a resident alien is an alien that has a different culture, a different mindset, a different construct in the way that they would do family, money, uh, uh, religious expression, and all these type of things. But they're a resident alien because they live in another country. Yeah. 
So they're resident aliens, meaning they maintain often a different set of values and a different cultural expression. They don't assimilate into the culture that surrounds them, but they actually impact it and they understand it so that they can relate within the midst of that culture. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's how Peter addresses believers in first Peter one. He goes, you're a stranger. You're a pilgrim. You're, you're a resident alien that's passing through. So wherever you find yourself, whether it's here in Kansas city, uh, you know, more specifically Grandview, Missouri, or whether you live in Berlin or whether you live in Moscow, if you're a Christian, you're a resident alien, meaning you're not to assimilate into the prevailing culture around you, just like the Jews were not to assimilate into Babylonian culture, but you're to be different. You're to stand out and to seek the well-being and the shalom of everyone around you. Yeah. And obviously there's like imagery there that comes in of Sermon on the Mount, you know, be yeah. salt and light. You're a city set on a hill. When people are to look at you, they're to see there's the God of Israel, Yahweh, Christ. They're, that's who they're supposed to experience, mm -hmm. you know, when they, when they experience you. And so, you know, this kind of idea of us being strangers and aliens is like pretty foreign, yeah. I feel like, for Americans, especially. I mean, you could, you know, you <laughs> There's one American this is, at this podcast table. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Three aliens yeah. and one. Well, you guys are like, huh, aliens, tell me about that more. <laughs> yeah. I just want to like, say that my Native American background, I have the Trump card here. So I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> take it, take it. So, so in terms of like, our perception, our hope, what it is we're anchored in, like regardless of how involved we are in politics, regardless of how involved we are in our communities or our cities or whatever, at the end of the day, like this is not our home. Right. Yeah. This is not our home. This is not the home of our children and the generations that come after us. Like our home is with Christ. Yeah. It's in heaven. It's in the age to come. And that's what Paul's saying in, in uh, you know, Colossians 1 that I was just referencing, like our hope is stored up in heaven. We're a citizen of heaven. Right. Like we're a citizen of another age. And so all of the rights that I really need, all the justice that I need, all the righteousness that I need, all the legislation that I really need that's going to be fully just, fully true, is is actually shored up in the age to come. It's like this, it's like going to burst down upon the earth. The justice and righteousness are going to roll down like rivers, yeah. right? like an everlasting stream. Like it really is shored up in the person of Christ. And so yes. that's where I have to derive my sense of hope. Now, do we, now, you know, now let's look at the end of the story. Everyone's rights are revoked. And, you know, Christians, they're suffering. <laughs> they're suffering and singing. That's where the church is headed. So we have to have a theology and a practice of, of embracing suffering yeah. and singing about the righteousness of God in the midst of suffering. That's mm -hmm. where the church is going. Yeah. So if you're out there listening to this and you're going, what do I do in terms of crisis? I would say you want to prepare yourself and your children to be in the midst of suffering, most horrific suffering and singing with a free and flowing heart before the Lord, that, yes. regardless of what circumstances are happening. You know, Paul and Silas, they're, they're in chains, and yet they're singing psalms and hymns to the Lord, yes. and they're hearing them singing. They're like, what are these guys yeah, doing over yeah. there? I, I love that you say it that way because, you know, as a dad, I, what I've been handed is righteous because, because of love and because you really care. 
is to preserve my kids from suffering. You know, it's it's like almost like like the our highest view of parental or you know paternal love yeah. is to safety. protect them just from safe. harm. Yeah, yeah, it's just keep safety. safe. Like here's your mouth guard, here's your helmet. Here, just <laughs> if you go outside, whatever you do, just don't get hurt. Yeah. I, you know, I I got five kids, and you have three. Yeah, three. Yes. Yeah. So when your kids are outside, like you're not trying to make them have the most exhilarating experience. It's not like, it's not like, Hey, find the highest tree, climb up to the top, see if you can jump out. You know, it's, yeah. it's like, you're pleading with them. Yeah. Like, please, please, my wrestler suit. please do not hurt yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So anyway, keep going. No, I just, because that is, that is the, the, but then we've translated that into the way we live our lives. Like, mm. Hey, risk, but not so much that you might get hurt. It's like, Love God, but don't be too crazy. Yeah, don't be too crazy. Right? You know, like, you know, yeah, share the gospel. But, but you know, don't, don't like, share the gospel in a hostile environment because that right. might get you hurt. Like, we've, we have so many narratives, like, right. constantly. Like, we believe the scripture as, a, as an idea we agree to. But when it comes to practice, we disconnect it because there's a higher hope, a higher value in temporary preservation. We're trying to right. preserve ourselves and our, our, our idea of, 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 of hope, that, that hope looks like God funds everything I need, right, right. or I want, really, um, that God protects me from all harm. Like, all what harm. happens when, in, like in my situation, be, to be a little vulnerable, I get hit with this out-of-nowhere chronic arthritis pain condition that Everyone offers information, but there's no answers. Like, what is my role, you know? And as a, as a spiritual leader, I mean, to make it real, because I know that all, all of us go through different things that we can't understand. But what I, the journey the Lord's taken me on with this is like, is it my role to be bold about healing now? Like, that's the thing. That's the only way forward. And, you know, I think before this situation, I would have stood more in that camp. Yeah. But here I am, you know, in this place personally, and, and I find myself to feel, uh, and I know this sounds kind of weird, but just bear with me. I feel more anointed than ever, and yet more powerless than ever. Wow. You know, it's like I, if ever I had authority against a disease, a sickness, or something, this affliction that has hit me really hard four times and it's not stopped for, you know, almost two months, is... If ever I felt authority to end it, to curse it, to rebuke it, to whatever, it's now. And yet I have nothing, no answer, no power. And so then in the highest, and this is a recent situation for me, in the height of the pain, you know, what is, what is it that I'm doing and saying and believing? And if it's always like, heal me today, then, then we're all in for a crisis. Because it's about preserve me from temporary pain. But, but what I felt like the Lord was doing in me, allowing, and I know this is going to mess up some people's theology, so don't fight me on this. This is my personal journey. But, <laughs> but, but the point is that what emerges in my heart is that regardless of what I don't know how to explain, in spite of the fact that I'm, that I'm not seeing the application of that which I believe right now, I will keep on declaring the truth. Right. I'm going to keep on declaring who you are that contradicts my current circumstance because my hope is not in this temporary recovery, but that one day pain will no longer exist. Right. And, 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 and that's all I have. Mm -hmm. At the right. end of the day, it's tr your truth, your word is all I got because yeah. I don't have 
Maybe I don't have faith. Maybe I don't have authority. Maybe I, I don't have the answer right now, but that's why that hope is insufficient. Yeah. Our hope needs to go beyond this life. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because whatever, like you're saying, like what, whatever our hope is, that's where our delight is. That's where our satisfaction is. And when that is deferred, you know, hope delayed makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes us feel sick on the inside. And so if our hope is anchored in the resurrection, you know, you have these beautiful stories of the martyrs that, you know, the middle <laughs> ages, just for example, and yeah. they're like, they're singing and rejoicing. And they're like kissing the post that they're about to be tied to because they're about to burn at the stake. And they're like, oh my cross, how I've longed for you, you know, using all this language. Like, and I'm like, I'm a Western American Midwest kid. I'm going, I have no grid for victory and gladness in the midst of suffering. Why? Because all of my hope is wrapped up in temporary things. And if my hope is in temporary things and those temporary things get shaken, I feel sick. Yeah. I feel delayed. You know, and you were talking about even, oh, there's so many beautiful principles of just the things you're talking about, but the delay of prayer and the delay, you know, in, in breakthrough and answer. And I had this thought like a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to my wife about it. And uh, <clears throat> I pictured Joseph in the pit right when his brothers decide to betray him, you know, you know, the story and they throw him in the pit and yeah. he's down there and, you know, the movies depict him and like different ones. He's just like wailing, like, please. And they like, can't take it. They're like, uh, <laughs> and they're, you know, they're waiting for these guys, the caravan guys to come and sell him. And he ends up in Egypt. So, so I picture him down in there and I picture him praying for breakthrough. And he's like, God, get me out of this pit. Where are you? And he's like, like, get me out now. Like, you're the God of everything. Like, you're the God of Abraham, my yeah. you know, great, my grandfather. He's like, you're the, you are this God. This is who you are. I know who you are. I know you stretched out the heavens. Like, this is who you are. Get me out of this pit. But it doesn't happen. Right. And he's like, what about these prophetic promises? You just gave what me a bunch promises? of dreams. Right. They're supposed to be bowing down to me. I told yeah. them to dream. They got mad. Now I'm in this pit. Like, this is not going down you know, the way that, that I'd imagined. And, and the Lord just asked me this question. He was just like, oh, I feel like it was the Lord. Anyway, it was like an impression of the Holy Spirit. He was just like, what if I had answered Joseph's prayer right then? <sighs> the whole earth would have died. Of starvation, yeah. Because Joseph, you know, wow. we know the end of the story. He ends up saving the world. Yeah. yeah. He is a type of Christ that was to come because it was actually through his dream and through his strategy in Egypt that when the seven years of famine came, it says the whole world came to Egypt to buy grain. And so the Lord goes, what if I had answered his prayer right then? The whole earth would have died. Israel would have died. The Messiah would have been cut off. If I had stopped right there, think about it. Like Jacob and his, like all of his children, all the tribes, they would have died they would have perished and he goes sometimes i don't answer prayers and i don't answer breakthrough and i don't relieve the suffering in the moment because there's something bigger that's going on that you your pea brain you know he's talking to me your (laughs) pea brain like cannot possibly comprehend and when i hear that when i think of that it gives me confidence to go lord you're working something within the heart of the christian you're working an iron with it within us that our hope is in you that we mm-hmm. really do trust in you 
because it's easy to say like, Lord, I trust you, you know, when it's like all the bills are paid and everything, but it's like, Hmm. It's a lot different when all of that is touched, shaken, someone is sick, there's chronic illness, there's chronic sickness. You're having to battle through all these internal realities. You feel pain. There's abuse that's happened. There's injustice that's prevailing against us. I mean, everything that's going on in Minneapolis right now, it's like, oh my gosh, there is, there is injustice that is rife throughout our society and culture. And it's like, when is this going to end? Right. You know, like when is this going to stop? And if our if our hope is in ultimately, you know, a, a peaceful society, multicultural, whatever, like what if that doesn't happen? Then our heart is sick because our hope has been deferred. Yeah. yeah. No, that's such a good point. I just think of how in the first world countries we have all of this technology and we get everything we want right away. Like if, if we're buying something on Amazon and it's not Amazon Prime, we don't buy it because it's not going to come the next day. Like we're <laughs> exactly. so immediate in everything that we want that we haven't even learned how to wait. We don't know how to wait. We can get on an airplane and be on the other side of the world in less than a day. Right. Yet they would have to journey a couple of days just to get five miles down the road. Like it just, we can't comprehend it with today's technology. And so it's like, in one sense, practical question, how do you even train yourself to wait, to learn to wait, to know that there's glory in the waiting? How do you do that? I know that in the Bible, especially the New Testament, one of the chief attributes that's emphasized is perseverance yeah, and patience and endurance. Long suffering. Long suffering. I mean, yeah, I, was, I did a message on that one time and I was like, you know, have we thought about the word long suffering? Like it's two words, long <laughs> and suffering. Yeah. And like someone decided, let's put those together. <laughs> And make wow. it like one reality. Who really thought of that? And then, like, <laughs> and then, and then, like, we're gonna like this is what Christians are supposed to do. Wow, we're supposed to suffer long. So, like, how do we do it? I think, you know, how do you be patient? You just be patient. You just do it. You just don't give up. You right. don't hit the eject button. You don't walk away from the Lord. You don't curse God. You're like Job. It's like in the midst of all my suffering and pressure and agony that I'm in. I know that I know that I know that you are good. Mm-hmm. And even Job's declaration, he's just like, I know that in my flesh, I will see God. Even Job's hope is in the resurrection, not in the temporal things and the restoration of his life, which we know, you know, many of those things got restored to him yeah, yeah. by the end. But he has a hope that's anchored in Christ. Now, here, let me ask you a question. What would happen in, you know, Western nations or whatever? Like, let's just use our own nation. Like, what would happen if like all of a sudden there were like 10,000 teenagers that just decided our hope is fully in Christ. Like our hope is fully anchored in the age to come because what happens when you transfer your hope, you transfer your fear Mm. and your fear leaves from the temporal and begins to rest in the eternal. Jesus said like, don't fear him who can kill the body, but fear him who can kill the body and soul, right? (laughs) And destroy it in hell. (laughs) And so like, what if 10,000 teenagers in our nation decided we're going to put our trustfully in God. We're going to put our hopefully in him because that's where our fear is going to be and, and just set us loose. Like we're just going to be witnesses. We don't care. Yeah. Like when you're fighting an enemy that doesn't care, you know, you're in the kingdom of darkness, you're fighting an enemy that like doesn't care. The problem with the, with Christians, why, why the battle is so easy a lot of times from darkness, from the darkness perspective is that Christians care too much. Mm-hmm. They care about their reputation. They care about their comfort. They, care, they have the fear of man. They have the fear of loss. They have the fear of da-da-da-da-da. 
But then you see these people emerge throughout church history, like David and, you know, Mary of Bethany and Paul the Apostle and like all of these, Martin Luther, they're just like, (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) Because the secret is they found their hope in the resurrection. Yeah. They found their hope in the age to come. It's like, death, where is your sting? Like, gray, where is your victory? Like, do whatever you want. Take whatever you want. You can't take the best thing. I'm going to be back in a minute anyways. And so, like, do your worst because it really doesn't matter. But we're talking about a boldness. Like, the Lord is going to establish his church in maturity. A mature bride is a bride that has her hope in the resurrection. Yeah. And she's fully dependent on him. She's leaning upon him. She's fully trusting in him. Like that's where the church is going to go. The eschatological church. I mean, it's going to be incredible. We've never seen anything like this. We're talking about hundreds of millions of believers in the nations of the earth going, here we are. We love not our lives even Even unto death. death. Like, Take my life. My life is the least that I can offer. I died a long time ago. I died with him. I was raised with them. Yeah. Romans 12, 1. I'm a living sacrifice anyway. I'm yeah. already dead. I've already reckoned myself as dead to sin, dead to my flesh, dead to my rights, and alive to God. Yeah. And this is why the gospel is so important because we talked about, you know, the perspective of we're strangers, we're aliens. Then we talked about where the end of the story is going. You're mm-hmm. going to either lose your life or love your life. Like there is right. no in between. Yeah. You know, Revelation 13, you're a singing, suffering bride. Like that's where we're all going anyway. Yeah. So here we are in the middle like let's let the word of god bear down upon our isms now like let's let it bear down upon our americanism and our culturalism and our ism 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 like let's let it bear down upon us crush us now so that there's nothing left to take when they come to take us yeah it's just like us but we're his we belong to him and our hope is fully in god right and i'm not trying to produce like a nihilism you know, like okay. not a nihilism, a space nihilism, like nihilistic view of the future and our existence, because that's not what it is at all. It's not what it is at all. It's, it's, it's biblical hope. It's Christianity. It's being salt and light and yeah. loving and power and not having the fear of man. I mean, imagine that the fear of man would just be removed over mm-hmm. a region of the church, like how powerful and effective she would be. She would just say things and do things and love the poor and give money and speak up and witness to their coworkers. Like, we need a bride that's not afraid. Yeah. Right now, we're we're just so myself included, just so wrapped up in fear. Well, and I think that you're how it's gonna ex- play out. You're exposing our insufficiency of our hope. Like our hope again to use Georgina's uh, imagery. It's like there was a point where we experienced a sense of of an answered prayer that that made us choose between where our hope was going to be whether to stay with the eternal hope or uh to veer off into temporary hope and now we've created categories of this is what it means to be one to experience god if you believe then it's like a transaction we became transactional in our relationship with God. Like, right. you know, well, we can trust you for this. Well, what if he doesn't answer that? Like, right. like I, I, why don't we stop trying to prop up our own theological postulates, you know, and, and, and ignore our experience? Maybe our experience is showing us something that perhaps our hope shouldn't be in the temporary, though we do see breakthrough. And though we can experience yeah. God breaking in into our mm-hmm. present circumstance, 
But to remember that, according to Scripture, in Titus chapter 3, you know, our blessed hope is the return of Jesus, yeah, as you in said. in the glorious appearing. Right. That's right. It's in the, resur- you know, the glorious appearing that will produce the resurrection. Right. I mean, and I think even our hope of glory is Christ in us. It's, it's like, hey, we're becoming the bride, and one day we will be fully united, I mean, hidden with Christ, as Colossians 3 says, right? Like, we're in him. And through him, like we have this thing that 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 it, that it defines us. That's beyond us just not being sick or hurting or or having you know relative peace. Like at the end of the day, there isn't a solution until he comes, right. and we see glimpses of his kingdom, but they're just that. They're glimpses, right? Yeah, I I think we need to stop assuming America is a Christian nation. I mean, I would, I'd take a I would take a pretty bold stand on that that we are most definitely in a post-Christian state in terms of where our nation is at. Yeah. And, and the reason why is because uh, if we are assuming that we still are a Christian nation or that we're going to somehow resurrect the Christian national whatever that we assume that we had, um, we're going to constantly be looking to the past and trying to rebuild something that I don't think was ever really built. One could make an argument that we were never a Christian nation built upon Judeo-Christian values. So that's kind of you know, that's shots fired. <laughs> one could make a pretty strong argument about that. And yeah. one, of the, one, of the, I mean, one of the main reasons why I would suggest that or want to talk about that or have a discussion about that is because our nation was built on the economic machine of slavery. Yeah. So how do you reconcile that? If I'm an African-American, how am I sitting here? How do I reconcile? We are a Christian nation and they're looking at a guy like me, you know, a white evangelical Christian from the Midwest and they're going, so we're supposed to get back to our Judeo-Christian values. We're supposed to get back to our Christian nation. But when we were a Christian nation, like my great, great, great grandfather was enslaved to your father to your great, 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 great grandfather. So how am I supposed to reconcile that? So anyways, I don't want to go too much into that right now because <laughs> that's, that's, pretty that's a bigger though. topic. But like, let's just, let's just assume if the starting place of a Christian is that we are not a Christian nation, how does that change our life and activity and behavior? Well, I mean, for one, it, it actually forces us to see ourselves in the way that Peter calls us to see ourselves, resident aliens. And I'm here to impact and influence my culture with the light of Christ. I'm meant yeah. to, First Peter 2 says, be among the Gentiles that they would see your good works and glorify God. So I'm going to go find unbelievers, and I want unbelievers to actually witness the character, the integrity, the passion that I have for Christ— and in work and in labor and in conversation and the way I raise my kids and all that, I want them to see that so that they would glorify God in the day of visitation. Right. Yeah. So, so I, th- I think this, this mentality that we're a Christian nation or that we were and we're trying to get back to it is actually really hindering us in some mm-hmm. pretty negative ways. Right. And, you know, I, I was on the other side of that argument for a long time. So, like, I get why people could be listening to this and going, oh, I can't believe, you know, you unpatriotic. How dare you, you know, <laughs> curse against George Washington and the founding fathers. But, like, man, I don't know. I really believe it. And this, yeah. if the Sermon on the Mount doesn't bear down upon us mm-hmm. and produce a biblical hope, then I don't want to live it. I don't know what it was that we're trying to get back to. I don't want yeah. to live something that's not this. Yeah. Because this is the word of God. Right. This is the rock and the anchor in the storm. This is our hope. 
good. The promise of a resurrection. I mean, that necessitates. The guarantee. Well, but it's, right. oh, that's good. But it, but it takes us through having to accept that there will be death. You don't get raised yeah. from. Yeah, no matter how many times we get healed, you know, whether our vision, like I have glasses, so like I get healed or, or like whatever ailment like you have or I have or, or whatever. It's like, ultimately we die. That mm-hmm. is the thing that needs defeated. The ultimate enemy, 1 Corinthians 15, is death. Yeah. That's where our hope is, is in the resurrection because one went before us as a forerunner. He foreran resurrection yeah. and he's the first fruits. And that's where our hope ultimately is. Yeah. I mean, Lazarus died again. Yeah, exactly. He had to taste it twice, bless his soul. But <laughs> it's a good thing he's with, with Christ. This is so good. These, this whole mini series. It's, I'm buzzing right now. Just like, <laughs> God, forgive me for placing my hope in this propped up, you know, theology of dominion that we can dominate over sickness, over bad circumstances, over my kids getting hurt by them, their own actions or others. Like we've placed our hope in preservation. And yet God said the hope is resurrection. Right. I think growing up a number of times you just hear, oh, if you get saved, life will be better for you. It's like, well, actually, it promises the complete opposite of it's going to get worse for you and until he actually comes. And I think that's one of the things that I think I've trusted in so many times is, you're going to bless everything I put my hand to. And he's like, well, maybe not, actually. You might not have that really nice Porsche. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, he might not bless everything I put my hand to. And so I think one of the things I'm realizing is I currently, right now, I don't know what, I, how I would deal with suffering long when it comes to actual torture and actual being put in jail and separated from my family. I don't know how I'm going to respond, but I do know that right now I can pray the prayer that Lord put me in positions right now where I have to be patient. I have to suffer long. I have to learn to lean on you so that at that point when it's, it's real and bigger and completely out of my control, I've actually already exercised that muscle. We can't wait for the marathon to come before we start training. We have to train day to day. So at that time, we're prepared. Yeah. I mean, there's no such thing as a dangerous prayer. I mean, if you think there's dangerous prayer, then you don't trust him. You know? I mean, at the end of the day, we want to be made like him. And and we are basically either giving him permission to use whatever means he wants to, to bring us to that deep level of love, mm-hmm. or... We say, no, do it our way. So is he Lord or not? And I would just I would just submit right now as I'm feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit that perhaps we need to hear a different story from Scripture related to our hope. And therefore, what we're willing to endure in this life for the sake of what he has promised yeah. he would do in making us like him. Yeah. I mean, salvation and redemption, it's a promise. Hey, I have not given up on you in your great wickedness. I'm going to make you like me. Just let yeah. me. Yeah. And I'll reward you for letting me. So good. He prayed that we wouldn't be taken out of the world, right? But that we would just be kept. So <laughs> slightly different to what we anticipated. So Isaac, good. thank you so much for yeah, joining thanks, us. Yeah, thanks, guys. This has this been was, fun. It's, it's been fun awesome. to hang out with you guys. You, bro, you're like crushing my interior life right now. I'm just like, <laughs> oh, Lord, forgive me. That's what I'm we feeling. Can, we can <laughs> suffer together. 
<laughs> we're all suffering. And if you are suffering during this podcast, go and share it with other people so other people can suffer with you and have their soul and heart and body transformed and renewed in the power and the glory of God. That is our ultimate prayer for you guys. And yeah, if you really did feel encouraged by this, please share it. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. You can subscribe to us so that you can get the the weekly announcements of our podcast. And we bless you guys over this next week. And we look forward to seeing you next Friday, 2 p.m. Central Time. Peace. <laughs>